Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Were you guys blessed by that time of worship this morning? Man, I'm super thankful for our team and uh, thankful for all the guests that have been coming out this month. We've been in a month of celebration as a church. This typically is when we kick off our ministry year. And so we're resuming ministries that have been off for uh, well over a year. Our discipleship groups kick off this week. Our small groups kick off this week. And typically we have one Sunday to kind of celebrate the start of a new ministry year. But we didn't think one Sunday would be enough this year. And so we chose to do it for three weeks. And we've been so blessed by some guest musicians. And I just love the way our team comes and serves and and every week plays for us and allows us to worship the Lord. And so hopefully you've been extremely blessed by that. Hey, if you have a copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to take it out now and find your way to 1 Peter in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning as we conclude uh, our series on the satisfied life. You know, for the last... Uh, and this will be our fourth week of this series, we've been kind of investigating what does it look like to have a satisfied life. And we started with a question the very first week, and that was this. Do you believe that your life looks like a satisfied life to an outside observer? As people look at your life, where they say, man, that person is satisfied. They're settled. And we said that a satisfied life was not only attainable, that that those who desire to have satisfaction, to have a a settledness in their heart is is possible with a relationship with Christ, but that it's also simple. And so the very first week we said it starts with Jesus. The satisfied life starts with a relationship with the Son of God by believing uh, in Him. Not just that he existed, but that who he was, that he's the son of God, that he came and he died on a cross for the sins of all mankind, was buried and rose again. That placing our faith in that good news, that he rose from the dead, you and I can have forgiveness, salvation, but but also start that relationship right now. We can be in him, that we don't have to live life now any longer on earth by ourselves and in our own power and in our own strength. I remember one time we were camping one summer and there was this rope swing into a lake and I wouldn't do it. I was terrified. Now, those of you who've been here for a while, you know that I'm not a risk taker by nature, but I was confident that I would not be able to hold on to that rope long enough to actually make it off the shore and not land in the rocks. But some of us for the last year and a half have been trying to hold on with our own strength, trying to find a way to maneuver, to try to just get through, to just hang on. And our grip keeps weakening and it keeps slipping. And for some of us, we've, we've had to let go of the rope. For some of us, the rope has just seemed to fly out of our hands. And yet through a relationship with Christ, we don't have to hold on to the rope anymore. He holds on to us. And so we said it starts with Jesus. But then a satisfied life, a, a steadiness with your daily life comes from being saturated in the word of God. Spending time letting the word of God, which is living and active, speak to you, inform you, redirect you, and in some cases, transform you through the work of refining, chiseling away those areas of our life that need to be exposed, that need to be removed so that we can have Christ filled in those cracks and he can shine through us and we can live in him. But we also said a satisfied life is one that is thankful. 
This morning, we're going to be looking at this last statement, a satisfied life serves. And as I've been thinking about this passage this week, I actually wrestled with which passage to take us to this morning. Because I don't want for those of you who call Salem Heights Church home to come in this morning and hear this is just going to be a message on how I need to be serving and feel like my arm's going to get twisted. That's not it. But I truly believe that God's word teaches us that if you want to be satisfied, you must serve. Now, on first glance, this seems like an upside down principle. And when we try to, when we tie satisfaction to service, those don't seem to be the things that compute or go together. It's a paradox. But throughout the scriptures, especially in Jesus' earthly ministry, we see Jesus talk about his kingdom being unlike what we see here on earth. That you've heard it said, he'll say this. You've heard it said this. Or here it's like this, but in my kingdom, if you follow after me, if you serve me, it's going to be the opposite. And I believe the scripture tells us that if we want to be satisfied, we need to serve. But this is a paradox. A paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. I started to think, of what is a physical example of a paradox? And I was reminded of this little toy that I used to play with as a kid called a finger trap. Have you guys ever seen those or played with those? You know, you stick your fingers in both sides and you're like, oh, this is fun. Okay, I want to be done. And you pull them out. But what happens? It traps your fingers in. And the harder you pull, which is the, the obvious kind of response to, I don't want to do this anymore, it gets tighter, holds your fingers in. But in order to actually get out, you have to push in, which is completely upside down. I got to go further into the trap to get out of it. Let me just be really clear this morning to the body. There's no trap when it comes to following Jesus. But you and I who are seeking a life that is different than the life that you and I can create on our own, we have to follow him closely in order to experience that satisfaction. See, a lot of us think of satisfaction as this idea that I can just, when I'm able to do what I want to do and meet the desires that I have inside of me, then I'm going to be satisfied. In fact, there's a wrong idea uh, in a humanistic idea of what is good for man that says that all of us are basically good. And if we just carry out the desires that are inside of us, there's going to be this nirvana, this utopia that we're all going to exist in. I don't think that's true. And it's not just because of my life experience. Scripture says that that there is no one good, no one righteous, no one that seeks after God, that the heart is deceitful and wicked. And it's not going to be a heart that says, let me look out for you and let my needs not conflict with you. No, it's going to be my needs are the most important thing. And so we'll pursue satisfaction. And, And I think we've all been doing that. Because when we suffer, when we struggle, when things start getting taken away, we, we naturally gravitate towards the things that are going to try to bring us comfort or satisfaction. And so we'll, we'll start to try to grab a little of this and try to attain a little bit of that and try to be able to get in a position where we can do this or that. And we're thinking, this will make me satisfied. This will settle. And this will bring peace. And what have we found? We can't get no satisfaction. So the word tells us about these paradoxes, but when we hear it this morning, the satisfied life serves, I believe if you're like me, this confronts 
my flesh right away. This confronts it. This idea that I have to serve in order to be satisfied, it confronts me. And so this morning, what I hope that I'm able to help you understand and and what I'm hoping the word of God brings to light as we teach God's word is I like us to consider how is it possible to find satisfaction in service. And so we're going to focus our attention this morning on 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Would you stand with me as we read God's word this morning, if you are able? And if you're ready, say ready. ready. This is the word of the Lord. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. God, guide our steps. God, would you speak through your word? Would you allow us to understand how this paradox is true? And would you help us to pursue it, not in our own strength, but in your strength, God? I pray this in your son's name. Amen. The big idea that I want us to all kind of understand or grasp this morning is this, is that the satisfied life serves not out of obligation, but in response to the overwhelming love God has shown us and produces in us. Let me read that again. The satisfied life serves not out of obligation, but in response to the overwhelming love God has shown us and produces in us. Uh, you know, several months ago, we had the big ice storm here, and, and there were a lot of us who, um, most of us, for at least a short period of time, lost power. And for some of you, you lost power for weeks. And I know here at the church, man, I just was so encouraged to see our body serving one another as certain people got their power on and said, I have a generator, and you can borrow this, or I'll come over and bring you a meal, or you can come stay at our house where we have heat and warmth, and, and you guys were serving each other. But I think it's in those moments when we're not as prepared that we start to realize, man, we need to be a bit more prepared. And I think when it came to, you know, finding uh, gasoline and finding a generator, it was really important that we had fuel for the generator, it's really important that we didn't run out. Because gas is critical for the engine to work. It's the fuel. And that's the first point I want to make this morning. When it comes to service, love is the fuel for the engine of service. Love. It says here, the end of all things is near. Isn't that interesting? This is written thousands of years ago. And it already felt like, Jesus, come quickly. Do you guys know we're nearer today than when this is written? Do you know that Jesus is coming back? Amen to that. But be alert and sober-minded for prayer. 
I love that, that statement. Start off by this. Keep yourself focused, not on the things of this world, but keep yourself alert so that you can pray. Every time you start to see something that is not as you think it should be or something that's obviously not in line with what God's word says, don't, don't make your first step to try to fix it or to attack it or to withdraw from it. Pray. But then it says, above all, maintain a constant love for one another. That word love here is the word agape. We've talked about this, and, but perhaps maybe you're not familiar with the different words in the, in the language. See, the Bible was, the New Testament was written in Greek, and there were multiple words that are translated in the English language as love. And agape is a little bit different than some of the other words used for love, because agape is a unconditional, sacrificial choice to put others first. It's God's love. And we are called to love like God, but we all know that we're not like God. In fact, every time we try to do what God says we're supposed to do to obey him and to please him and to follow him, we fall short. We can't do it. It's like trying to hold on to that rope. We can't do it. It gets too high because we don't actually possess the ability in our own natural abilities to be like God, to do what God says. But God in us can produce things that are supernatural. And so he calls us to love each other with the the same love that he has shown us. But in order to do that, we have to let him produce that in us. I don't think we're going to be motivated to look at anybody else and go, how can I serve you? How can I meet your need? What is it that you need? To even get my eyes up to kind of just be perceptive and going, what are the needs of the people around me that God has placed around me in my life? I don't think we can possess that unless we first understand that God loves us so much with an agape love. I don't think we can show that love until we have experienced that love. And and experiencing agape is different than knowing what agape is. So how do we experience God's love? I think it's by constantly drawing our attention to the word of God to see what not only he has done, but to see this agape on display. One author wrote it like this. He says, once we recognize that the love God has bestowed upon us is not merely an emotion, but an act of the will, we are forced to reevaluate how we love others. Specifically, we must reevaluate our categories. No longer can we parse our fellow humans into categories of lovable and unlovable. If love is an act of the will, not motivated by need, not measuring worth, not requiring reciprocity, then there is no such category as unlovable. The kind of love that that God showed us that he's calling us to, Peter's saying, you need to love each other in this way is a love that only God can produce and it's a love that's unconditional. It doesn't go, well, they're not really worthy of the love or I can't stand them so I'm not gonna ever show them love or you know, if I give them love, they're just gonna squander it or I don't know if they're gonna love me back so I'm probably gonna withhold it. No, it's a love that says, I'm choosing to love you. And we are called to to love each other, which is, again, agape is a sacrificial choice to serve others through the power of God that's living inside of us. The power that says, I can actually say no to my selfish desires, to pursue God's desires, and to serve where God is at. We're called to do that. And this love that God shows us in Christ is is not only amazing, but it's a love that starts to, to change the way we view other people. I think it's a love that truly satisfies. I think a lack of service in a church, in a home, 
is because there's a lack of love. And not a love that I'm just choosing to love, a love that's produced in us. It says, I'm choosing to, to love like Christ loves in his strength rather than I'm going to love based on what I want, how I feel, and who I think is deserving. And so once we begin to understand his generosity, this kind of love that he showed us, not because we were deserving of his love. Christ loves you, not because you're deserving. Christ loves me, not because he saw that if I invest a little bit in Pete Poloff, man, I'll really get a good return back. You know, he, he loves everyone in this room because he is love. And he chose to love you. He chose to love you knowing that there would be many times where you would totally rebel against what he has said, that your attitude would be completely terrible, that you would lack a gratefulness and a thankfulness in your life. And he says, I love them so much that I'm willing to send my son and exchange their sin for his righteousness through his death, burial, and resurrection. Where else do we find love like that right now in the world? Where, will you, where do you find love that doesn't have strings attached? I believe it is only found in Christ. And it's once we begin to experience his love and experience his generosity that we totally settle. Things can be going off, blowing up all around us. Things can be going not as we planned or as we desired. And yet because of the love of Christ and our relationship to him and knowing that that love, there's nothing that can separate us from his love, nothing that can cause God to withdraw his love. We are his. He loves us. That we're just settled because we're not holding on to the rope by ourselves anymore, trying to do good, godly Christian things in our own strength. I think there's a lot of us in the room this morning who when things started to get tough and as the world began to change and things began to get pressed on us that we didn't necessarily ask for or want, I think there were many of us who tried to do the right thing. We tried to turn the other cheek. We tried to go the extra mile. But then there came a point in a lot of us where we said, enough. That point might have came when we couldn't find toilet paper anywhere. <laughs> we tried. We waited down to the last square. But something's got to change. I'm taking this into my own hands. Now, that's a silly joke, right? But the, the, reality, the reality is this. There, there might have come a point where, you know, I'm going to try to serve God, and I know what the Bible says, and I'm going to try to be a good Christian. But somewhere along the lines, our goodness ran out because our goodness is not uh, an, an unending resource, but his is. And the reason that maybe we started to stumble and our attitudes, attitudes started to change, we started to grumble and complain and not actually look out for each other and not actually be considerate and hospitable to one another is that we were relying on our love rather than his. And so what does this love do? Once we begin to experience it, it tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this amazing truth. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, For the love of Christ compels us. In some of your translations, it says constrains us or controls us. It basically, it's, it's pushing us in a direction. When we experience God's love, it pushes us into this direction of action. Since we have reached this conclusion, that means we've spent some time, those who have spent some time thinking about the amazing, awesome depths and width of God's love, we begin to, 
we can only respond in this direction. It only leads us to this one conclusion, and it's this. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Why does a satisfied life serve? Because all their needs are being met in the Lord. The love of the Lord being poured out on us, being produced in us, manifesting itself in grace upon grace, his mercy that never ends, that's just flowing abundantly on our lives, causes us to go, I don't need anything else from this world. I have all I need in Christ. And so if all my needs are met, I got lots of time and resources and opportunities to serve others. We serve God by loving others. It says here back in our text, to be hospitable, verse nine, to one another without complaining. That, that word hospitable, it's two parts, two words in the Greek language. The first word is phileo. It's another ver- word for love, love of strangers. Basically, we're hospitable to everyone, even whether we're close to them or not. We are hospitable. We care, we make room, we make space, we look out for them. Why? Because the love of God is constant in our lives. And it's not only changing the way we view others and changing our motivations, it just spills out of us from the overflow into other people's lives. Is that true for you? Is the love of God welling up in you so much right now that it's just spilling over and people go, man, there's something satisfied in you. I see you serving everybody else and you're never concerned about yourself. And you can go, I'm glad you asked. There's, there's something I want to share. It's this love of God that I've been just totally chewing on and saturating in. Or is it possible that this morning... That, that love that you were showing has ran out because it was self-made love. You know, self-made love, if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, can look like godly love. But, but the difference is, is that self-made love runs out. His never runs out. And so here's, the, here's what I want us to take away from this first point. Love is the fuel for the engine of service. So if there's no love, there's no service. As a church, if we're not loving God first, if that's not our priority, we won't serve each other. If we come on Sundays just to, to receive love for one another and have fellowship, but yet we don't love God and put him on display and sing worship to him and let his word speak, we will, not, we will not spend much time together because at some point that love will run out and we will become at odds. It's a miracle this morning that all of us are here together, wanting to be together, wanting to worship together. No love, no service. But there's a second thing I want to highlight this morning, and that is this. Service is a great diversion to selfish and sinful behavior. He says in verse 10, Just as each of one of you has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. I believe serving one another actually prevents us from going into or moving in the directions of the desires of our sinful flesh. It's one of the things that we counsel people with who are struggling with having a good attitude, being loving, being patient, being kind, and, and, and really caring for those around them. We oftentimes not just give them the word of God and show them what God's desire would be and why that would be wrong and, and what God says is needed for that to change. But we say, let's get the eyes off of you and let's get them onto somebody else and let's go serve. Because if I'm serving somebody else, there's, there's a great chance that uh, it's going to divert me from all those sinful, selfish desires. Now, don't get me wrong. We can serve with sinful, selfish desires. 
But what we're called here is that God has given us a, a gift. This gift is an act of grace. God has given you, he's equipped you for actually useful service in his kingdom. And this is amazing. I mean, if you read through the scriptures, I mean, all of the apostles all felt unworthy to be used by God because they knew their stinky past. They knew that they had not been, uh, you know, the, the most upright, the most righteous. They knew that they had been judgmental and they struggled with self-control. Even Paul knew, he's like, I, I was persecuting the church. I put people on trial because they believed in this. I'm unworthy to be used by the Lord. And yet the Lord says, because of what Christ has done for us and that he paid for all the sins of mankind through his death on the cross, that every, all who believe not only receive the gift of salvation, they receive my Holy Spirit and I'm going to equip them to get back in the game. I'm gonna equip them with a special skill, special ability that's supernatural that I have designed them to go use to support the body of Christ, to serve others, not just themselves. And so you and I are called to be good stewards of that. It's really the difference between a bucket and a watering pot. We have a bucket up here. You know, sometimes we think, you know, oh, I just, I love the Lord. I'm so thankful for his love. And, and we want to receive the love of God. And I mean, he is just pouring it out in his scriptures and his church is serving us. And, and there are times where we need to be that bucket where we're receiving the, the love and the generosity and the discipleship and the mentorship from the body of Christ. Because there's going to be times where I can't carry this burden and I need you to help me carry it. But the love that God has shown us, the generosity that he has shown us, is not just so that we can kind of keep it up and just accumulate it and then just swim in it for ourselves. No, he has designed us to be a watering pot. There, yeah, there's a place for his love to come into us, but his design is for us to be a conduit where that flows through us into other people. We can't just have a selfish view of God's love. We have to view it as God. You've loved me and now you're calling me to love like you. You're calling me to love others like you have loved me. And so God has called us to a life of service, but I think it's important for us to remember that God is not against self-care. What he's against is when we elevate ourselves over him and others. You need to be looking at your spiritual condition. You need to be looking at your physical condition. You need to be looking at your emotional condition. Those are all things that matter to God because he created all those things. But what he did not create is for you just to be a bucket to where you get filled up in all those areas and you're not actually pouring into anybody else. He's created us to let the love of God flow through us to one another. So he is not against you caring about yourself and, and, and looking into yourself and asking, what, where do I need help? Where do I need to grow? What are my needs? But he's saying, don't let those needs elevate above him, serving him and saying, God, I want to love you and serve you first before I serve myself. And when he says, okay, you want to love me? Then go serve other people. And in doing so, we're not going to gratify or give in to those sinful desires. And we're going to experience a satisfaction that comes from, he's all I need. He continues to meet me in my need. He continues to produce in my life. One point left. Point three. I want us to understand this morning that God honoring service is spirit produced. He says in verse 11, if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides. 
so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Self-produced service can be selfish because the desires of the flesh are selfish. That means we can actually say, oh, I'm going to go serve. I'm going to go, go do good deeds. I'm going to go meet the needs of the poor and the, the, the lonely. I'm going to go do these things. But my motivation is to be seen by men. My motivation is for them to do something for me or to be seen as someone that, you know, it kind of, it, it, it feeds my ego. We can turn service into something to feed our selfish desires. And so sometimes we're like, all right, Lord, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Use me, God. But, and we have all this criteria. What if it is that, you know, we're just waiting for the perfect opportunity to serve and, you know, something happens and, and you know, maybe we, we pass away and we go to heaven, we're standing before the Lord and you're like, Lord, I was waiting for you to give me that, that thing to do to serve. And he begins to roll out all the different ways that were right in front of you that you just chose to overlook because it wasn't the most choice thing to do. It wasn't going to fit your schedule. It wasn't going to be convenient. No one was going to see it, so does it even really matter? You know, I've got a lot to offer, so I should be looking for that A spot kind of service. We, we chuckle in the room, but there are some people that we, we are selective in how we will serve. We're like, God, I'm all for you. Your love is great. All for Jesus. But I can't do it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I got, a, I got 20 minutes Monday morning every other week. But I'm all for you. That, that's, that's your time, Lord. I'm not going to touch that. Nothing's going to move into that. We, all, we can't serve every day of the week. You know, God doesn't want you to serve in every ministry here. You know, God doesn't want you to meet every need that you see come across the prayer list. But are you confident that you know which ones he does? I think the only way we can really know where God wants us to serve and where he wants us to, the love to flow through us is for us to pray and ask him, God, show me where it is you want me to serve. Help me not to be above anything that you place in front of my feet. And if there's something that stirs in me, I'm going to take that as a sign of you because I'm going to inspect my heart and make sure that my motivations aren't selfish. Spurgeon uh, made this observation about sometimes how we approach serving. Because sometimes we approach serving as like, well, I don't really have what it takes to go and do that. I I'm not really the best person. There's other people that are better at that, so I'll let them do it. Rather than saying, God, if you want to use me, produce the ability to serve through me and I will trust you. But Spurgeon said this, I've noticed that many desire to serve Christ by standing on the top rung of the ladder. No one can get there in one step. The better way is to serve Christ by following him, by doing the next thing, the thing we can do, that simple little act that lies within our capacity, which will bring us no special honor, but is what our Lord desires of us. In effect, we can hear him say to us, if anyone serves me, let him follow me, not by aiming at great things, but by doing just that piece of work I put before him at that time. The love of God, I think, should soften our hearts to say, whatever it is, Lord, I'll serve you. Because again, I'm not looking to serve myself because my needs are being met in you because I'm taking time to focus on your love and its grandeur. Do you guys know that we're in a battle though right now spiritually that is trying to get our eyes off of that truth and onto the things of this world? Every ad, every billboard, every uh, feed is trying to say, but you need this 
to be satisfied. You need this to feel like you've got it all. You got this to find your security, this to find your peace. And we might say no to serving where there's real satisfaction because we're going to be able to be used by God for work that's actually going to glorify him and actually have eternal value because it will, I got to wait one second. I got to, I got to take care of this and then I'll come and serve. This is not a new problem to 2021, by the way. Jesus talked about this, about those who would say, let me go say goodbye to my family. Let me go put this to rest and then I'll follow you. He says, no, choose to follow me. But I want you to hear this this morning. If God is starting to stir in your hearts this morning and you go, man, I, I do, I need to serve. His love is great and it hasn't, he hasn't shown me this love and hasn't given me this grace so that I just fill up in a bucket. No, he wants to pour it out of me like a watering pot. I, I want to caution you that again, he says here, if you're going to serve, if you're going to follow Christ, if you're going to do what he's called you to do, don't do it in your own strength. Do it in his strength so that he gets the glory. So that he gets the glory. So what am I asking of us this morning, Salem Heights? I'm asking that each of us in the room this morning makes a, makes a choice this week to die a little bit more to self every day. I'm not asking for you to change your whole life, to sell all your possessions and go on the mission field. I'm not asking for you to make drastic changes. I'm asking you today to say, how can I die a little bit more to self today? In John chapter 12, Jesus said this to his followers. Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So church, this week, let's, let's make a commitment to, to die a little to self every day. A little more. Let that, that process of of sanctification is what the Bible calls this process of being changed from who we are without Christ into who we are in Christ. Let it happen anymore every day. God, here I am. And the practical ways to do that are, are where in your family or in the people that you do life with are there opportunities to serve them first? Or how about your oikos? Those people that you're doing life with, how can you serve them first? But remember, Galatians 6 tells us that we shouldn't just serve those in the body of Christ. But we should also be looking out to the needs of those outside the body of Christ, those far from Jesus who need to hear the truth of the gospel and to hear about his love for them. There's no shortages of opportunities to serve. But I don't want anybody here at Salem Heights to be serving out of obligation. No, I want them to be serving in response to the great love that, they, that God is overwhelming them in their life and working in them so that they desire to serve for his glory alone. I believe this morning there might be some of you who are like, yeah, this is what I needed to hear, and God, you want me to serve. And I just wanted to highlight something. I don't, I'm not asking you to do anything this morning, but all of you are sitting in these blue chairs, and every one of you who has a blue chair in front of you, there is a sign-me-up card. They're there every single week. We hide them. We don't put them in your face. We don't make you sign this before you leave. But every week there's opportunities for you. You know what? I, I want to serve. I, I have some time. Or there's, and you, I don't know where I would serve. There's, there's all kinds of places. Right now, we, we have need in our tech ministry. 
People who never will be up front, but every week are helping us video and record and stream and put out the service. We've been doing that a little bit more over the last year and a half. We have a need there. We've been opening up our D6 area, all our kids' ministries. We have needs there. Our parking lot's starting to fill up. We have needs for greeters and people who are going to be the the best hospitality team. There's opportunities to serve there. There's opportunities yet we don't even know about because we don't know that you're you're here. And and once once we see you here, we're like, oh, you've got a great gift. Let's let's put you here. I just wanted to point this out. If you, if you are wanting more information, here I am. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm willing to serve. I'm not going to wait for the perfect opportunity or I'm not going to say no to what I don't want to do. I'm going to say yes to whatever God's calling me to do. That card is there for you when you are ready to fill out. You can drop it in an offering box. You can give it to me and we'll help you get plugged in. But we don't want anybody to serve here out of obligation. We want to serve in response to the love that God has shown us and that it's work, that is at work in us. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for this unconditional, amazing love. And God, you are so good to us. You, you give us more than we deserve and you give us what we need to serve for you, God. And so I just pray now that you would call us, Lord, to a life of service, that you would, would you help us this week even to die to self a little bit more every day, that we would begin to take our eyes off self and more on your word first, and then in response to what your word shows us and teaches us, God, would you call us to whatever it is you have for us. God, thank you for the privilege of being fit for service in your kingdom. We love you. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen.